Well, good morning, friends. Thanks, Colin and Anne. It's so good to see you. I miss your dogs as well as you guys. Uh, today, I just uh, want to acknowledge that we journey towards Advent. And so, as we begin, I want to start with a question. And that is uh, a question that actually can be formed in a game. Where were you when? Maybe you've played this game. Where were you when is a question about some seismic cultural event that you remember the time and place where you were when it happened. For example, uh, where were you when uh, you first heard Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? So if you were alive, you can share that in the comments. How about this one? Where were you when you first heard Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech? Uh, this one's not as uh, positive. Where were you when you first heard the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded? Uh, and of course, for some of us, we remember, where were you on 9-11? Now, I know many of those examples predate you, but we all have one we can now share. Where were you when you first realized the coronavirus was for real? See, these seismic events are, are huge. That's why they're called seismic. They alter our world. We can't go back and our lives are never the same. And just like those examples, uh, many of them tend to be negative. They're tragedies or catastrophes. And so they alter our world. They make things uncertain in our lives. And if that sounds familiar, well, welcome to 2020. <laughs> I don't know if there's been a year that's been more uncertain. We've got for almost a full year, a global pandemic that is, that is taking people's lives, maybe some people you love. We've got uh, economic recession. We've got mass unemployment. We've got racial reckoning and tension, polarized politics, cultural upheaval, and in many parts of our country, even around the world, hurricanes, wildfires, and record tornadoes. It has not been an awesome year. So I learned a new word this month. At least I think it's a new word. It might be officially a new word this month it's, or this year. It's called doom scrolling. Have you heard of this? Doom scrolling is when you, you, know, you pull out your news feed on social media and you go through either people's chats, updates, or news headlines and you find all the negative stuff. It's especially depressing and unhelpful to do before bedtime. I don't recommend it. However, uh, you might be wondering, like, so far this doesn't seem like good news. And the reality is that, yeah, so far it's not. But if we don't start with reality, we'll never find the hope of Christmas. And if there's ever been a year we've needed Christmas, it's this year. Now, I believe encountering Christ at Christmas happens best as we walk through Advent. Advent is a season of waiting, anticipation, and expectation. And it's not just waiting for Christmas presents or for good food. It's this season that invites us into the ancient past, present, and future waiting. So Advent invites us to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah to celebrate and present his birth, and to look forward to his second coming. 
See, too often our Christmases are not a season of peace. They're a season of panic. They're a season of rushing. They're a season of stress and scatteredness and franticness. And maybe this year, in the midst and upheaval of what we're experiencing, it is an opportunity to set the panic, set the franticness aside, and instead come into this place of peace. That's what Advent allows us to do. It gives us this time to prepare our hearts to place a greater focus on God's story than our own story. The, God, the story of God's redeeming love by sending his son to the earth to be Emmanuel, to be God with us. So wherever you are in your level of 2020 anxiety or uncertainty and wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I invite you to this season of Advent and to this opportunity to rediscover Christmas. So from now until Christmas, we're going to be exploring the attributes of Christ that we see in his arrival, specifically hope, peace, joy, and love. And then on Christmas Eve, possibly even in person, we'll get to celebrate the Christ. So let's rediscover the hope of Christmas even when we're surrounded by uncertainty. Now, uh, if you're just joining us, we just finished our Immerse Beginnings Bible where we read the first five books of the Old Testament. And this is the foundation of God's story. So to just recap, we'll go very quickly. It tells of a paradise where God and humans lived in harmony with each other, with God, and with creation. And as the story goes on, we see that humans have this particular way of forgetting and even rebelling against God. And any time that happens, it sends them into exile. So first, they're exiled from the Garden of Eden. Then they're exiled into Egypt. Then they they will get into the Promised Land, but they'll live like it's not the Promised Land, and they'll end up in exile in Babylon. And then finally, they return to Jerusalem, to their homeland, but there's people that are living there as well. So it's been thousands of years since God had rescued his people from Egypt. It's been hundreds of years since there's these invaders that have come in and conquered them, enemies like Assyria, Babylon, and then Greece and Rome. And so when Jesus came to the earth, his people were this defeated nation under the thumb of the Roman Empire. And so the ancient cry of the people and the prophets was, How long, O Lord? How long until you rescue us? How long until you redeem us? How long until you restore what you promised? See, because God promised to be a blessed, to bless a people and for that people to be a blessing for all people. It started with Abraham, but it was going to continue through his children. And then what we find out is his children are part of the problem. They're wrecking it. (laughs) And so God promised that one day he would send a savior, someone to rescue and restore his people, to bring that blessing to all people. And that idea isn't just some some wishful thinking that the Israelites sometimes thought about. Instead, it was their deepest hope. It was the thing that sustained and spurred them on, especially through thousands of years of waiting and uncertainty. So today we pick up the story where we usually stop it at Christmas. You heard it in the reading that Colin and Anne gave. 
But that's where I want to pick it up because most of the time we end the Christmas story with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus at the stable. The shepherds have come. They've worshipped. They've gone off. We squeeze the Magi in because it's just, be- it's just easier to get the Christmas pageant picture. Everybody sings one more time. Maybe it's Silent Night or Joy to the World. And then we clap and then, and then we go home. But Luke's narrative doesn't actually stop there. Luke doesn't stop at the shepherds and he doesn't stop at the Magi. Instead, he brings in this scene at the temple just days or actually probably a month after Jesus' birth. And I want us to look at that more closely today and see these two characters that are highlighted, Simeon and Anna, and what they teach us about hope, even in our uncertainty. Now, we see that both Simeon and Anna have lived long lives. They are old. They've experienced many things. In fact, not just the hardship of the people, but pain in their own lives. We specifically know that Anna has been widowed for 84 years. And since I'm a math guy, I was like, what's the significance of 84? Oh, 84 is 12 times 7. 7 being this complete number in the Bible, and 12 being a number specifically um, attributed to the people of Israel. It's like the people of Israel have been in this aloneness, this, their own widowhood for this seven cycles, this completeness. And yet, unlike Israel, who's just sort of waiting, Anna has this hopefulness, this worshipfulness. In fact, both of these people have been constantly devoted to God. They've been in communion with the Holy Spirit. They've been waiting to see God redeem and restore the people, but it's been this active waiting. In fact, as you listen to this story, it appears that neither Simeon nor Anna are the least bit surprised that Jesus would come in the form of an infant. I mean, everybody else needs a little bit of convincing that God is going to appear through an infant to a teenage girl. Angels have to come and convince people over and over in the story. Not the case with Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna, it's like they are ready. They didn't need an angelic announcement. They were tuned in. They were watching. They were waiting. They were listening and expecting God to do what he promised. And that filled them with hope. And that hope came through even when they were surrounded by hardship, even when they were surrounded by pain, even as time passed and they grew older and older, they had actually fostered new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, as they worshiped him, as they served him, as they served others, and as they took one faithful step forward each day, waiting and yet believing. So I think their response would have been, of course God came through. Of course he did what he said he would do. The Messiah is here. And I've seen him with my own eyes. And they rejoiced and they celebrated and they brought new hope to the people around them. Even Mary and Joseph, who were still trying to figure out what it meant to be the earthly parents of God's son. So I think Simeon and Anna reveal several things about hope that we can take today and apply to our own lives. And the first is that this hope sees beyond. Anna and Simeon were not focused on their present situation. They were focused on not some future wishful thinking, but their hope was on God's promised rescue of all his people. 
Simeon, in particular, held the baby Jesus and exclaimed to God, I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He, Jesus, is the light to reveal God to the nations, all the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. See, Simeon saw that the Lord God was right there, Emmanuel, with us. And what he promised throughout history was what he promised that day and what he still promises into our future. It's like he remembered these messages of hope that God sprinkled all through the story, starting back with the prophet Moses, when he said in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. And then the prophet Jeremiah said, for you'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do what I promised. I will rescue you, I will restore you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And then the prophet Isaiah says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. You will not be set ablaze. See, over and over, I can feel the hope jumping over the obstacles to get to us in those words, in those prophecies. And, and Simeon and Anna, they focused on those promises. See, even in our darkest moments, we are not alone. God is with us. Christ has come. That's what we celebrate at Advent. That's what we can celebrate today, no matter where we're at. So hope sees beyond. But second, I believe that hope sees beyond us. See, when you hear those words, I tend to think, at least when I hear those words, that I have to bring this strength that musters, that this hope is about what I bring. Instead, hope is about seeing the strength that God has. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarifies this in chapter 8 when he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he explains that we have a relationship as God's children and that we can live by God's spirit. And then he shifts to this future thinking when God's going to restore everything. And he says, in, starting in verse 24, for we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something. But if we look forward to something, then we must wait patiently and confidently and the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Let's reread part of that. When, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. See, hope exists before that reality comes to pass. You can hope with all your heart that I'm going to drive over to your house if you live within driving distance. Arizona is not within driving distance. I wish it was. But you can hope with all your heart that I will drive over this afternoon and drive, you, drive over and give you just a stellar Christmas gift. You can think about it. You can expect it. You can tell yourself and believe that it's going to happen. 
You can even hope that you'll be richer if it's a good gift. And as soon as I hand you that gift, the hope is gone. Now, if I'm a good gift giver, there might be expectation in that gift. But you can't hope for it because it's already happened. You don't need to hope for it. It's in your hands. Hope goes ahead of our present reality. Hope by its very nature exists in the uncertainty before it. So hope exists in the questions. Hope exists in the doubts. Hope exists in the uncertainty. Hope is our willingness and desire to believe beyond what the present circumstances are telling us, no matter what they are. Now, I included verse 26 because I think it's key to where we're at today. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. See, friends, with God, we can have hope even in the uncertainty. God knows your pain and your challenges and your struggles. He knows and was not taken surprised by whatever you're facing. Just like God was not taken surprised when a virus mutated and spread across the globe. He was not surprised when our economy froze or shrunk. He was not surprised or shocked when racial tension, protests, and riots sprang up around the country. He wasn't surprised when you got the news that broke your heart this year, whatever it was. Now, just because he's not surprised does not mean he doesn't care. In fact, he cares deeply. He sees you, he knows you, and he is with you. In Advent, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. The fact that God sent his son to us to experience what we experience reminds us that he fulfilled this hope. He embodies this hope. And, and he actually fulfilled this hope long ago and it's an eternal hope that continues today. Now, if you're struggling, you might think that God is like dangling this hope out in front of you, almost taunting you to continue. Just keep going, just one more day, just one more day. Like I often tell my teenagers, how do you keep a teenager in suspense? I'll tell you tomorrow. It's, it's like this thing that sticks out there. I know, sad dad joke. And, and when we do that, it's like, it's like we're supposed to like reach out and try and grab this hope that's elusive. And when we're weak and, and when we're in our worst moments, we, we don't feel like we can. But that's not the hope that God gives us. Instead, the hope that he gives actually is poured out for us. It infuses us because God comes before us. He goes with us. It's a hope that flows from Jesus. It's fanned by his Holy Spirit, even in the storms and the pain. In fact, it might even get fanned harder and stronger in our weakness. See, when we feel too weak to reach out or when we have hope in our hands and we feel it slipping through our fingers, that's when we have to remember that his spirit is with us. Hope is not something that can just slide through our hands. It's a hope that is embodied in his spirit. That it's a hope that his spirit will pray when we don't know what to pray. 
that even in our weakness, that he's there, he's restoring us and reminding us of his faithfulness and his promises. His spirit leads us to God's word and reminds us of all he has done and promised to do. See, it's a hope that sees beyond us and beyond our strength. And third, this hope sustains us and inspires us to share it with others. Simeon and Anna not only had this hope, but it fueled them to share it with others. The last verse that Colin and Anne read in Luke 2.38 says, She, being Anna, talked about the child with everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And, and it wasn't just Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the symbol of all of God's people. And she talked enthusiastically with whoever came forward, whoever was looking, whoever was expectant. Now, the Apostle Paul describes this cycle of hope that I imagine Hannah living, or Anna living in in Romans 5 when he says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in the glory of our sufferings because we know that our sufferings produce perseverance and our perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint. And it doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which again, God has given us. This hope from his spirit doesn't let us down. It doesn't disappoint. It doesn't put us to shame. Instead, it gives us a new and growing strength to see beyond our pain and our confusion and our uncertainty before us. It's a hope that sustains us and inspires us to share it. And it reminds me of this story in the great COVID-19 pandemic. I first heard of this story on John Krasansky's Some Good News. I want you to take a look at this Australian news story about Captain Tom Moore. Well, Tom Moore is now Captain Sir Tom Moore, since he was knighted by the Queen of England in July, just two months after his 100th birthday. <laughs> and Britain's own Prime Minister called Captain Tom a beacon of hope to the people of England. Now, listen to what he told reporters. He said, the first step was the hardest. After that, I got into the swing of it and kept on going. The first step was the hardest. Isn't that true of so many things in life? And isn't that true of hope? When we're down, when we're only seeing the negative and the doomsday it can be just so hard to lift up our eyes to look for the sparks of hope in the darkness and the uncertainty surrounding us. It can seem really difficult to reach out and try to grasp God or grasp onto his hope. But in those moments, we have to realize that we're not the only ones that are reaching out our hand. God is actually reaching out both of his hands to us. He sees us, he loves us, he knows us, and he wants us to receive that hope and that peace and that joy and that love that he offers. So it's not just our part. It's not just what we need to do. It's what God is already doing. So when we receive the promise of hope in God's word and his spirit, we find new strength. 
We, we accept that hand that God outstretches. He lifts us out of this place where we are. We receive power. We receive peace. We receive hope. And we find new strength. We find new inspiration. It's embodied in the life, death, resurrection, return, and eternity of Jesus. And when we focus on that, when we receive that, we find new strength. And that's a strength that helps us to keep on stepping and walking and going, even if it's just one step at a time. It's a hope that inspires and emboldens, and it's a hope that builds upon hope that keeps us going and allows us to share it with those who need it most. So what is your next step of hope today? It doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be one step. Not out of our own strength, but out of what God is already doing. See, Jesus sees you, knows you, and loves you. Jesus came as an infant to push away all the pretense, all the ways that we would say we're not worthy of coming to him. He's born in a stable to give even the lowest of people, the people that don't feel like they're worthy, access to him. So would you hear today that Jesus is offering you access, that you can receive him as a friend, as salvation, as forgiveness, as eternity. So what's your one step today? Do you need to pray to receive Christ like you've never prayed before? Have you received Christ and you know that in this time, especially in this time where things have felt so different and weird or a time where we can't gather together as the church like we had before, that it's hard to focus on your faith? Well, we've got an Advent devotion that we would love to send you. It's a, it's a PDF that you can download, you can print, you can read on your phone or tablet or whatever you use. We'd love to give that to you. Just send us a message um, in the comments. Send us an email at info at restorationcub.org. We'll also be posting those videos um, on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page. It's something that you can connect with each day of Advent. And so we invite you to take a step in that way. But maybe it's spending um, five minutes, just five minutes a day, each day of Advent, focused on God's faithfulness and on his promises. Start to see how good he is. We could call it glory scrolling. I don't know if that's a word, but it should be. Sometimes when we are in a place of darkness and uncertainty, the thing that can be best to help us go out of that place is to focus on the needs of someone else. Maybe it's praying for two minutes for someone that God has put on your heart and then sending them a text afterwards that just says, hey, I prayed for you. And finally, in this season where we knew before, before this year that Thanksgiving to New Year's is some of the darkest, hardest time for people. It's a time filled with empty chairs, missing lives, broken relationships. If you have the hope, God is inviting you to share it with someone else who desperately needs it. 
It's not a guilt or an obligation. It's just the reality that we start with today. That there is a lot of darkness and yet Christ is the light. And when you have him in your life, you shine that light. So maybe your one step this week is to share that hope of Jesus with someone else. I pray that you'll take a step today. Friends, this is my invitation for you to take a step, to journey to Advent with us, because Christ is coming. He's returning again, and so we want to welcome him into our hearts in this time and each day of this season with expectation and hope. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for stories like uh, Sir Captain Tom, who even at 100 years old are looking at ways they can bring hope and light to others. Thank you that he didn't do that alone, but thousands, actually even millions of people rallied around him. God, we know that there are bigger things than raising money for a hospital. That's, that's good, but that might not change eternity. Jesus, you came to change eternity individually, corporately, because you love the world. And so we pray today that we would be a light into the world, not by our own strength, but by your peace, your hope, your presence with us. Help us to feel and receive your love today. In Jesus' name. Amen.